With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's up, Rand fans? Uh, this is Van Ram. You're listening to Turf Show Radio. With me, as always, 3K. How you doing tonight, 3K? Man, I'm doing good. I got I got the brown. I got the college football. I got it all set up. I'm not going to lie. It's a good Saturday. You can't beat that, man. You cannot beat that. 3K, it's been a good week. A lot of stuff going on. How you doing today? You know, other than having to think about last week, I'm doing all right. Other than that. Well, you know, it's uh it's been a tough, tough start to the season for the Rams. Let's yeah. rather than delve into last week's game, let's just kinda of delve into the season thus far. There's some stuff we like, some stuff that's happening that I think that's positive. Um but you know, the results are the same. That's and that's a little disappointing. It was a hard game to watch last week. you know, the second half of it at any rate. Um, what what are you what's your take on the season so far? What are the Rams not doing? What are they missing? Because these are two winnable games, and I mean it's easy to kind of pinpoint. Yeah, you can say that I've been kind of I'm focused on the receivers, or you know maybe it's you know they're not doing good enough against the play action pass, or I don't know. You can kind of point to some little knob things here and there, but what I mean, what, what what's your take on it? The 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 thirty thousand foot view on why they're not winning these things. Well, you know, part part of it plays into that cliche is that they don't know how to win yet. You know, that's an easy cliche to wrap up all the things that that teams that lose close games consistently, you know, that, that's an easy cliche to wrap that up. But I think part of it is that we don't have the discipline and, and the necessary detail in discipline that you only get from winning close games and, and knowing how to lose them, whether, you know, the Fred Robbins penalty at the end of the game. It, you know, it wasn't really rough in the past, or we saw that, and Gradkowski oversold it, but that's what he's supposed to do. As, a, as an experienced player like Fred Robbins, you've got to know you just don't touch the guy. And it's not just Fred Robbins that has to know it. It has to, be the, it has to come from the coaching staff to say, guys, you know, we saw Alex Barron ruin the end of that game with a penalty. Now's not the time for penalties. It's a discipline factor, you know, and, and the detail in the discipline that comes. And then part of it is just being able to make the big plays. You have to be able to take advantage when you have big plays to capitalize them and get the most out of them. We've had a blocked field goal in the first game that ended up becoming, you know, in retrospect, a huge turning point. And last game, I think one of the big turning points early was Bradford when he took that sack instead of throwing it away. 
which led to a missed field goal. I mean, Josh still could have made that field goal, sure. But the truth is that had Bradford thrown that ball away and given him about 15 or a dozen yards of easy cushion room to deal with that field goal, he probably would have made it, and who knows how that game would have played out. So a lot of it, I think, is just making plays, getting into the – Getting into a routine where doing the right thing doesn't take as much thought, but at this point, I think it's something that the coaches need to provide. And to me, that was the real failure last game with the coaching staff and specifically Spagnuolo. What do you, what do you think? What, do you, what was your biggest impression? Well, you know, I agree. It's it's an execution thing. I mean, you know, there's moments, you know, you look at the defense. The defense is playing well, but there's the bottom line is that there's still some execution problems. And, and you know, you look at um, you you kind of look at how McFadden was getting out on those outside runs last week, and, and it wasn't so much that the defense was doing a bad job of it. They were just kind of, you know, they kind of fell back into that trap you saw a little bit last year sometimes where guys just maybe aren't kind of, they're not in the right spot. They're not, you know, they're not hitting their assignments the right way. They're not filling the right gaps that they're supposed to be. It, it, it's a, you know, and that was kind of that was frustrating to see that because Oakland really was able to do some damage with McFadden on the ground, and the Rams' deep run defense is has been better than that this year. And you know, they dominated that Oakland offensive line, but they were just getting, you know, they were getting McFadden out around the tackles, and and, and you know that's where he was he was making his damage. The offense, same thing. It comes back to that. It's it's Sam Bradford sack. It's those dumb penalties that those guys are taking. It's you know, it's just it's the receivers not really. And I think that maybe with the receivers there's a little bit of a talent issue, but at the same time it's just, you know, receivers not kind of hitting their routes sharply and not, not being in the right place, not knowing how to not knowing how to handle kind of some of the coverage situations they're finding themselves in, not knowing how to take advantage of that. I mean, you certainly see that you've got a rookie quarterback and, and a young team and a, and a fairly green coaching staff. Now, what do the coaches do to, to overcome that? I, you know, I don't know. It's easy to sit back from where we are and, kind of break down the X's and O's and look at the talent factor on the field and evaluate the players and look at them, take a look at the matchups. But, you know, I'm not a coach. So, I, you know, what they're saying in the locker room and how they're drilling those things, it's, a, it's an entirely different thing. Um, you know, by all accounts, the Rams have had a good summer. They had a good camp. They had a good preseason. You know, they didn't make that kind of – they didn't do that kind of crap in the preseason, I'll have to say. They weren't bad about that kind of stuff in the preseason. I know it's a lot different – speed of a game but you know it's it's still the execution factor it was it, it was there they were executing well after you go back after those first two games in the preseason they did a damn good job of that you know even the the b and c team guys that were out there and and, and, and i don't know why is why has that gone away on the field you know for the first two weeks of the regular season you know we'll see what happens this week we'll see what happens they've been coming out sharp i do like that but yeah you know, coming out sharp and staying sharp is two different things. Certainly. And, you know, you spoke about it. They have come out at the beginning of the game better, excuse me, than they did last year. And that speaks to the coaching. But I wondered, you know, you talked about the idea that they're green, that essentially you've got a sophomore coaching staff. One of the things that concerns me, though, is that the rookies are progressing faster than the coaching staff. When you look at yeah. guys that were, you know, Rookies, young players, whether it's Chris Long, who now seems to be really developing into a really, really solid defensive end, Laurinaitis, I don't think I have much that I need to say there that people don't already know, Bradley Fletcher, who's developing into a hell of a corner, and Bartell's having a great season. You've got a lot of rookies who are coming along, and even Smith and Saffold look relatively solid. I mean, they had some issues last week, but you're talking about a tackle position, which is one of the difficult, most difficult to play and obviously one of the most expensive and valuable. And, and and I don't yeah. have any real reservations at this point that they will develop. 
But I think I'm seeing progress on those fronts that really have me optimistic, whereas to me it seems like the, the coaching staff has been in a holding pattern since early last year. Part, part of the issue is that I, I don't want a single Terry coach. I don't need him absolutely crazy on the field every time. But I need to see the same kind of passion and willingness that I see from the players in the coaching staff. And we've had quarterbacks like Bulger and even Bradford now who aren't really – you know, those extroverted kind of guys that really get fired up. But you can see when they know that they've done the right thing and they're excited about it. That's different. I don't really see that out of Coach Spagnuolo. I don't see him when something goes wrong. For example, the Otagway penalty, which I hated. Otagway goes up and gets a piece of that ball into Gradkowski. His arm comes and touches his helmet, and he gets the personal foul. Whether, whether or not that's the right call, Coach Spagnuolo has a responsibility to get out at that referee for it. It has, yeah, it has an absolutely. effect on the game. And when he doesn't, that's a failure on his part to control one of the few responsibilities that he really can control in the game, during the game. And, and, you know, at that point afterwards, whether it's the Fred Robbins, whether the Fred Robbins penalty is called or not, at least he's made that effort to kind of control the game. And you see it from different coaches, whether it was, who was it, Kubiak, I think, for the Texans that got fined. That's part, that's part of being a head coach. When, the call, when, it, when a 50-50 call doesn't go your way, you've got to make a play on the referee so that the next time it does, especially on the road. So that was one of the biggest issues that I have. And, I'm, you know, I don't know if we want to get into Shermer or not. We could probably take up a whole Churchill Radio episode on him. But the truth is <laughs> a very special I, I just episode. Don't, see, I don't see the same kind of progress and development and, you know, developing success out of the coaching staff that I do from the players. And that's for the first time after last week, that was why I was really heated. And I had to take a step back, man, because that that worries me almost as much as what the players are doing. Well, and, and you know, here's the thing: I I like Spagnuolo. I like what he's done. I like what he and his staff have done. And I'm, you know, I'll go back to Shermer. I'm a little probably a little bit more of a defender of Shermer than a lot of people out there in Rams Nation are. But you know, here's my concern: what what we've seen so far with Spagnuolo, he's taken a young group of players, he's brought them along, he's implemented a system, he's got guys buying into the system, he they. You know, he's got them. They understand the X's and O's. Yeah, there's the execution's not there. You know, we he talk, we talk, we've talked a lot about the four pillars the last couple seasons in, in regards to the draft and the, the personnel moves the team has made and stuff like that. But, you know, the, the four pillars are great. It saves a lot of hassle. It saves a lot of headache. But, you know, there's a fifth pillar that I want to see in there, and that's passion. And I'm concerned about, I mean, I know these guys want to win. That's obvious they want to win. But, I want to see the passion. I think that's one of the things that you know was really missing. And you look at Oakland that we played last week. You know, and they've had they've had they've been terrible for about the same stretch of time that the Rams have been terrible. Maybe even longer, really. They've just been terrible. But you know, those fans still come into the stadium. And they still pack it in there. They're still crazy. The players are crazy. It's a passionate group of guys at the expense of everything else. Well, the Rams have everything else. They've got the system. They've got the X and O. They've got the team mentality. I, where's the passion? Let's see the passion. And that doesn't necessarily have to mean, like you say, the nutty Mike Singletary stuff. But, you know, there, it's evident when coaches are passionate. And you want to see that. And you want to see that. And you want to see that from the Rams now. And, sure. And, and I think that that's a, that's a concern I have going into this, in this season, early in this season. As I do. And, and the thing is, I, it's important to qualify this. I, I would say there's a time to show it and a time to hold it in. Because everybody knows to be a head coach in this league, you're already passionate. You just already are. The issue is yeah. when, when you choose to apply that passion, and there's a, there's a tactical, profitable set of situations 
where you can make it known that either you don't agree with the referees or you have an issue with your players. We've seen coaches get into it with your players. That can be healthy from time to time. But one of the greatest responsibilities that a head coach has is deciding when that's the case and when it's not. And the, the reality is, for Coach Spagnuolo, it's always not been the case. It's always not been the time. And I, that's it, right. It worries me that those situations when it should have been the time and we should have seen them not necessarily flip a lid, but at least turn it, you know, on the spinal tap meter from 1 to 11, at least up to a 3 or a 4. I mean, that's not asking him to get out of hand, but something above a 1 where he just kind of dips his head into his hands or, yeah. you know, claps his hands and says, let's go. You know, you gotta you got to have an extra notch that you reserve for the games when you really need it. And, that, well, you know, whether, and you know, whether or not he's got it, he's got to find out where it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and there's also an, an accountability piece with that. I mean, I think yeah, the Rams are account. There, there, there's an accountability there that's evident. You know, in the guys knowing the playbook and and the coming back to the four pillars thing. I mean, that they've seen they've done a really good job with that. They don't have a lot of issues, and they've held players accountable for the most egregious stuff. Like, you know, ultimately Alex Barron was, and then Richie Incognito is a great example of that last year. But you know, there's got to be also some accountability in those guys that, you know, when they're not executing and the receivers aren't sure. getting separation consistently enough. And and that doesn't necessarily have to be, I mean, you know, they don't have to kick those guys' ass every Monday morning when that happens. But, you know, there's a, a couple in-your-face moments, a little accountability. It's a good thing. I mean, you know, I'm talking to a guy that's been through the Army's basic training program. I mean, you know, what happens when you go through basic training? You screw up on that stuff. You know, you hear about it. You learn about it. You don't do it again if you're smart, you know. It's just, uh, sure. where is that? we got to see that with the Rams now. That's the next piece of the puzzle here, I think. And I think that's the key, is that we have to see it. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. I'm sure behind closed doors in the locker room, people are getting fired up, whether it's your veteran leaders Coaches on the coaching staff, you know, maybe the offensive line coaches going crazy on the offensive line, or you got, you know, whomever is losing it. And I, I understand that. There, like I said, there's times for that, and maybe part of those times in the locker room is happening. But I think part of it is we need to see it as a fan base because I think a lot of what's happening is in, in, in spite of the gains that we're making, because the the simple fact that we're losing games, the fan base is losing a lot of confidence in the coaching staff and the Pat Shermer offense necessarily isn't working out as explosively as a lot of people, and especially, you know, given this Madden generation, you want to see explosion. We've got people who want us to, you know, throw a bomb on third and 12 within our own 30-yard line. You know, basic yeah. football says you just don't ever do that. But the truth is people want to see it. People need to see certain things sometimes to validate their their faith, to, to affirm their confidence in the staff, in the players, whomever it may be. And I think that's one of the things is we just need to see it. Yeah, and and that's and you go back to these first two games of the season. They're both two games. You know, the the final score was a close score decided by a field goal or less. I mean, it, well, a little bit more, but um, you know, they're games that the Rams could have won, should have won if you go back and look at the tape. But sure. and and these weren't games against. You know, this wasn't a game against the New Orleans Saints or the New England Patriots or you know those teams that just have you know overflowing with veteran talent like that. You know, these were teams with you know. Derek Anderson as, and Jason Campbell and Bruce Gredkowski at quarterback. Um, you know, it's one thing to go in and lose a close game to those teams that are clearly better than you, you know, on the talent matchup. And, you know, that's what, you know, the Rams are going to, you know, they're obviously not at that point. 
But to go in and lose these kind of games that they've lost in week one and week two, that creates a problem in the mind of the fan base. And like you say, it comes then you're coming back to, it's like, well, we know the talent's not there to match up against potential Super Bowl champions, but we know the talent's there to match up against Derek Anderson and his Arizona Cardinals and as well as, you know, the Oakland Raiders of all teams. And and the talent is there to match up against that, but it wasn't it wasn't on display this week in these last two weeks. So I and that's the next step. And now we're coming into week three, playing a Washington team. That's a much tougher team than the than the first two games we've had. So you know, that's going to require a lot more, a lot better execution. It's going to require, you know, no, none of those bonehead moves that they've been making the last couple of weeks. And it's going to require some, it's going to require some accountability and some high demands established by the coaching staff. And, so, and some offense. I mean, you talk about those first two games. They were almost polar opposites. The, uh, the Arizona game was more or less a back-and-forth game. And, you know, Arizona was able with the, the late touchdown from – Fitzgerald and the inability to really finish off the game and get a special drive from Bradford to start his career. But that was more or less a back-and-forth game. It was pretty much close the whole game. The the Raiders game was almost different in that we jumped out in front and we looked so much more dominant, especially our offensive line. The, you know, people talked about the idea that Steven Jackson had a great first half, but he didn't have to do much that first half. The offensive line was opening lanes that were so big for him, he wasn't getting touched his first eight, ten yards down the field. So that's not necessarily – something that Steven Jackson's doing. It's something that he's taking advantage of, certainly, and you have to give him credit for that. But more credit needs to go to the offensive line in those situations for making it that easy for a running back as talented as Jackson is. But to see that in the first half, and then to come out of halftime after getting that late touchdown and all the momentum's going our way, and have easily, easily the worst quarter that we've had this season, and probably that we're going to have for a couple weeks in that third quarter. Yeah. Is a referendum on the coaching staff. We had a first and five, and you know it's painful to revisit a first and five, and you can't pick up the first down. That's that's unacceptable, man. And I, and we yeah. got a caller, but I know I, you're chomping, so I'll let you get your response, and then I'll try to bring this caller on. Why, you know, three K? I, you know, what can you say to that that third quarter, the Rams had possession of the ball for I, it, it's just barely over two minutes, and and you know when you you have your defense out on the field for that much time, even against the Oakland Raiders. You're setting yourself up for a bad to be in a bad place. Had the Rams been playing a team other than Oakland, you know the score would have been, you know, you'd be looking at a blowout. I think I really do. Not because so. of the defense you is bad, so. but so let's go to the caller, 3K. All right, let's bring him on. See if see if the world is going to work with us today. The Blog Talk Radio world. I think All we right. fired up, caller. If you're there. Hello. Caller. Hello. Welcome to Turf Show Radio. Hello, hello. See, it always works this way. We always get the background noise, that ambient noise. But for some reason, the <laughs> caller, when they come on, is we're just laughing. I know. I don't know what it is. I know. Well, try again, caller, if you can. Um, you know, give us a holler. We're here. We're ready to talk. Ready to take some questions. Talk some Rams. Right, 3K? Of course, I hate to do it because I know we got the caller there. But, and you know I love my callers, man. You know I do. But, Absolutely. What, what can we, we do? We're, we're, at the, we're at the customer service. We're, we're customer oriented here on Turf Show Radio, if we're nothing. But I know it's a right area right? code, so if you're up there in that Pacific Northwest, if if you're a Seahawk fan, 
and you're trolling Turf Show Radio, just don't do it. But if you are a Rams fan, please call back, man. We want you on. Come on back. And if you want to, I know something, you you have the option with this. I know you can call in and just listen in. Um, but sure. if you want to talk, you have to push the button. You have to push the number one. So if you want to call and listen in, that's cool, too. Just, uh, you know, just uh, follow it's like the they say, kindly British por, ladies' instructions. You know, por Patricia Zedara, Tercio Radio, a prima dos. Come on, man. Everybody knows. You got to oprima. <laughs> oprima that dose, man. But no, to get back to it, I mean, we were talking about the third, the third quarter in that Raiders game. It was horrible. We had, we had three possessions, and I, I, can't, I can't even remember. I know, I think we gained 12 yards out of those three possessions. But the capper was that first of five. It was, it was just painful, and it was painful as somebody who loves old school football and loves. I, I can deal with conservative football, and I know you know the cliche that's getting thrown out there so often is dink and dunk. But I can deal with a conservative offense. The problem is when you've got a first and five. And we started from our own 36. The five yards brought us up to our own 41. When you're at your own 41, you've got to get that first down, get the ball over to the other side of the field, and then you try something like that flea flicker that we tried, whatever. But first and five, and especially second and five, after a, after our first down run that doesn't really get you much up to second and three, you've got to get the first down. It's it's just not the time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, man, we absolutely. got another caller, man. Another caller. No, new let's area try it code. again. We'll see Caller, you should be on Turf Show Radio. Hello? Hello. How are you guys doing? What's up, man? How's it going? Going all right. I mean, I agree with you guys' points, but I have a question. All right, hit us up. I've seen the way the defensive line's been playing, and I see James Hall. But do you think we should start Selvey? On that side, along with Chris Long, to try and get some more pressure going? I want to know your thoughts. You know, that's a good question. I I know that Selby's been playing a lot on the passing down because what they do is they'll move James Hall inside to the right defensive tackle spot. Now, you know, that's why Hall, one reason Hall was looking kind of good last week against the Raiders because, you know, that was a Raiders team that was – Weak on the in the middle part of their offensive line, you know they moved they had Samson Statil in there at with, at a, at the starting center position because they moved out. I can't think of his name, but they moved the they moved their starting center over to the left tackle spot. So Jared Bell getting here. Jared Bell getting here. in there. Yeah. Yeah. So they're getting yeah. in there. So Selby was Selby's been playing on passing downs, and you know you to start your game they're putting. Uh, I think they've got Hall at end and or maybe Ayu in there sometimes because. I think for their run defense, three K is that kind of what you picked up? Yeah, it is, and that's the truth. The thing about Selvi is he's so small that it's difficult to put him in situations where you need either a power pass rusher, and we've got that from certain guys in the past, or somebody who you want to obviously put into a run defense. So when you talk about pressure, there's two kinds of pressure. There's a run contained pressure from a defensive end position, and then there's a pass rush. On the pass rush side, yes, Selby can be very effective. He showed it in college, and he showed it in spots while he's been on the Rams because he's got an agility, a quickness, and a nice first step. But given his size and his lack of strength, it's difficult for him to make use of other talents when certain things break down. You know, you see a guy like Dwight Freeney who's quick and has, you know, that famous spin move. But a lot of times that spin move doesn't work. But what he does is when he comes off that spin move, he's able to add a second move of strength and push through that guy to collapse the pocket. Selvey's not going to be able to do that. He's not big enough. He's not strong enough. So he's a situational guy. And I think he can be used in certain situations to add to that pressure. But – 
if you're if you're looking for him to come in and kind of be an every down guy and make James Hall the situational guy, I just don't think that's realistic. I think we're talking about you know two guys who are kind of one trick ponies at this point to a degree, and Hall even has that age issue where he's getting on in years. But still, you know, Selvi's so, so an important part of the team moving forward. It's going to be interesting to see how we how we use him, especially especially if we get even thinner at the position because injuries already. I know we haven't talked about it, and I'm kind of. I'm kind of afraid to talk about it, but the injuries are really starting to hurt these Rams. So if it hits us up on the defensive line, I wouldn't be surprised to see Selby in more situations than he's been used this far. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Does that answer your question? Yes, sir. It answers my question. I appreciate it. All right. Hey, no problem. Thanks for calling in, buddy. No problem. I'll probably call you guys again next week. All right, man. See you later. Please do. <laughs> Later. Three K, that was a good question. Good question from the callers out there. You know, this has kind of been, I, it's it's a make do quote unquote defensive line that that the Rams are working with, and you know, so far, it's worked out pretty well. Now, if the offense can't start getting some can't can't start getting some stuff done on their end, you know, you're going to start to see cracks, I think, in the levy there. But so far, it's been it's it's been you know positive results. For, for kind of, you know, where you're filling the gaps with kind of some, some veterans and some utility guys here and there. You know what I mean? Well, that's, uh, I think that's the thing. We've seen our initial depth, and every team is able to roll out, you know, backups here and there. When you talk about positions that may only use two or three guys, whether it's linebackers or defensive linemen, you've always got a, a third or fourth guy that you can roll in for depth. But as the season goes on and you get more injuries and, and certain people are being identified for different situations, the key for real depth comes into play. And that's going to be tested now because we've got injuries coming in all over the place. It's going to be interesting to see how the coaching staff decides to utilize which personnel where. I mean, we well, talk about wide receiver. This, this is the first time where we're going to see some – you've got to see some some serious wide receiver rotations. Yeah, and, that's, and let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit because I think there's a few injuries out there. Um, overall, the injury situation is – you know, we're fairly lucky in that, and you know, I'm knocking on wood right now, but we're fairly lucky in that, you know, we haven't lost, like, you know, like last year where we were down to our third-string quarterback or, you know, offensive line where you've got seven or eight different combinations of the front five to by, you know, December of, the, of that season. So, you know, we've been, like I say, knocking on wood. Fairly lucky so far with that, but, you know, we're getting in a position now where we've got, a handful of guys down here and there, and these are guys that contribute. These are guys that are part of the depth. There's a couple starters on that list. You know, the, the good thing so far, none of those guys are gone for the season. The long, the, the two most serious injuries, the, the, you got Chamberlain out for the season. Is, is there anyone else besides Chamberlain out for the season? Avery, obviously, but, I mean, I'm talking I'm about say since, Donnie Avery, yeah. since that's, week one. And, and that's always one of those things that you have to prepare for. You have to anticipate and it's not necessarily anticipating which person is going to go down for a season. You can't just look and say, LeBron Robinson has in, had injury history. He's going to get hurt. We have to prepare for that contingency. You have to prepare yeah. for the entire team. You have to be willing as an entire team to say, if this starter, whether it's Chris Long, James Laurinaitis, it's Sam Bradford, Saffold or Smith, anybody goes down, what, what plan do we have to be able to make up for that injury if we, can go, if we have to go for a long stretch of time without him? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and those are the you know those are guys too where you really got contingency becomes even tougher. So um, it is. 
it's interesting. Hey, Dave, before two- you go on, man, I want, I want to try to get this caller on one more time. Let's see. All right, let's do it. Hey, can you hear me? We can. Hello. What's going on? Uh, Mark, Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Can you hear us okay? All right. Uh, this is D.B. Coover up in Vancouver, Washington. D.B. Coover, what's, what's up, man? Uh, not much. I've been listening to you and, uh, on your injury uh, philosophy. I agree. Uh, you know, you got to have your contingency plans. Uh, what do you think uh, a team like ours right now with uh, so many holes that we've got, have to address them, you know, free agency and then the draft, that's pretty much going to be one of our uh, long-term problems is how we respond to the injuries. Our depth will have to be about the last thing that we address, you know, after we fill our starting holes, don't you think so? Well, I think one thing, one thing with, the, with the Rams roster that you've got right now is that you've got, if you start, once you start bringing in some of those kind of starters, like a wide receiver is a good example, or, you know, a defensive end or a defensive tackle, um, you know, the guys that you've got on the roster now can be solid depth guys. But, you know, there's a few, you know, there's some spots here and there, for example, you know, the wide receiver position or, you know, some of the defensive tackles that maybe they're not, you know, they're not necessarily the, the guys that you're going to, you know, you're going to win 12 games a season with as starters. But as depth guys, they're good guys to have. I mean, you know, I'd like it would be nice. Can you imagine a you know a first round type defensive tackle, and then you've got you know Fred Robbins on the line with him, and then you've got Gary Gibson and, and Darrell Scott and Clifton Ryan behind them. I think that's a good mix. So I, I think the depth is there. It's just a matter of drafting those kind of starters and then turning the depth into depth as opposed to that depth as starters. So three K. Yeah, the depth on the defensive tackle front is why I kind of personally think it. You know that. The only reason I even wanted a defensive tackle in the last draft was because of a two. I mean, he was a specimen and somebody who I really, you know, I, I made it pretty well known that I wanted him. Uh, I'm not sorry we got Bradford, but uh, now that we missed on two, I'm not really after a defensive tackle, I don't think, unless somebody was to really step up this year. Uh, I really like uh, the, the draft on talent type philosophy, and until we uh, – you know, until we start winning eight or ten games a season, I pretty much think that that's what we have to go on and, and just hope our depth kind of fills itself out, you know, uh, through the later rounds of the draft and, and whatnot. Uh, free agency is the same way, you know. If there's somebody who's really available who fits in, you know, like, say, a Vincent Jackson, uh, which, by the way, I'm not sorry we didn't sign him. Uh, I was happy to hear that we actually came uh, to terms on a dollar agreement and didn't sign him, then that we actually gave up any, you know, more than one high first high uh, draft pick, you know, to go ahead and get him. But uh, as long as uh, we're not winning too many games, I'm kind of thinking that uh, the depth is something that will fill itself in along with our starters anyway. Yeah. 3K? No, I think those are all good points. I mean, we're just not in a position as a team talent-wise to be able to push depth guys into depth. And, and, you know, that's something you spoke about. And and specifically defensive line, and that's something D.B. Cooper brought up. We just don't have the kinds of talent to make depth guys your third, fourth guys, third, fourth guys. They're still situational first and second guys. And, yeah, I was in the Damakan Sioux camp, and and that was part of it was the lack of depth. But, you know, part of it is that you've got to have guys that you know are starters starting. And and I, I put it like this. 
who do you, who do you know as a starter at defensive end besides Chris Long? And, and we just don't have an answer, whether it's James Hall or anybody else in that area. We, we just don't have a real answer at who our defensive end is. Who is your starting number two wide receiver? You know, going into this season, everybody assumed it was LaRon Robinson and Donnie Avery. But Mark Clayton has outplayed LaRon Robinson. LaRon Robinson has barely gotten open. We've seen Danny Amendola take over that slot spot. He's not likely to move. And people are calling for Brandon Gibson already. People are asking about, you know, wide receivers in the draft. We just don't have the kind of starters that necessarily hold down starting spots that allow us to play depth at depth. And part of that reflects itself especially, and it brings it to the fore when you have injuries because now you're pressing guys that would be fourth, fifth, sixth-line guys into the first, second, or third spots, and it makes it that much more difficult. It's a great question. It's a great issue, and I guarantee as the season goes on and more injuries present themselves, more players seemingly don't play up to their talent level, we're going to see that issue made even more obvious. Yeah, yeah I, you know, that's I, another I, thing, too. I'd like to see, uh, you know, when we do draft somebody, that we leave them in that position, uh, especially in the first and second, you know, in the third rounds. That, you know, we get people because we like what we saw in the position that they played. You know, I think it's important to be able to move guys around, but I'm thinking we might be doing that a little to a fault at this point. With If Hall's moving inside, you know, uh, on passing plays, uh why does he have to do that? Is the defensive tackle that we've got in that position not versatile enough to take care of that? And if, if he's not, then, yeah, maybe we do need a defensive tackle uh, in the first or second round. It's, that's a hard question to answer, and it kind of really mucks things up when trying to figure out who we want to draft. I know I I never know from one day to the next who I'd like to see us draft first. And uh, for me, that's kind of a big thing. I follow it all year long. and. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's 70 guys who could go in the first round now, you know, 100 who could go in the first two. Uh, and, you know, as the, as the year wears, wears down, you know, that'll whittle down a little bit. But it'll just be like, you know, trying not to pick the wrong guy. And and uh, I think right now, you know, we need to go for the best talent. And right now it's, uh, I'm thinking that the best talent may not even be a defensive lineman. And, and that's kind of that's kinda too bad. I'm thinking that, well, that's probably what we'll go for first is a defensive lineman. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of draft talk between now and then, a lot of games left to go in the college season to kind of help sort all that stuff out. You know, one thing I will say, though, with the talent is is the Rams have had the talent to win these last couple games. Now, I mean, if you had a Vincent Jackson or you had somebody else like, you know, even if you had Donnie Avery healthy these last two games, it would have made a big difference just in terms of the talent on the field. But the Rams – you know, you go back to these first two games of the season, and it comes back to that execution. Yeah, those 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 first string guys, those superstar guys, execute. There's no question about that. But it's a uh, you know, there's some things we got to fix besides talent right now too. And that's you know, we've got to got to get progress on both those fronts, as I see it. Oh, oh, I'll, I agree with that. That's what's made these two losses a little more disappointing than those ones last year is because we were in these games. I, I agree with you completely. It's not the only thing, but, you know, talent, uh, you know, definitely game planning and, and everybody executing and winning winning the trenches uh, can't, can't be anything more important than that. Absolutely. Hey, TV, we got another caller, man, but I want to thank you for calling in, brother. Sure, sure. All right, I'll let you guys go. Uh, I'll keep listening. Thank you. All right, take care, man.
Caller. DB Cooper on Turf Show Radio. We got one more. 863 area code. It's Turf Show Radio. 863, are you there? Hey, guys. How you doing? What's up? Hey, this is VT. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you guys. I don't, no German. I don't speak the German. <laughs> and I don't speak oh, enough. No, 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 really no, no German today. No German today. How you, how you doing, 3K? I just wanted to say yeah, that, was a, good. that was a kick-butt uh, pregame analysis you gave there. Hey, thanks, brother. I appreciate it, man. Hey, now, what's your uh, – you know, I hate going on the, the Pat Shermer uh, thing, but there's one thing that really caught me in some discussions about it this week was that if you take a look at the at the Giant game and you take a look at uh, – was it? I think it was the Baltimore game. I mean – you know, there there was some good games called there. I mean, what's missing? Uh, you know, what are we what are we doing wrong here the last couple of uh, games in the regular season? Why didn't that carry over? In your opinion? Well, I, I I'll jump out in front of you, Van, if you allow. I think part of it is that you know the preseason you're talking about different different lines coming in and different talents. So when you're talking about a second line offense, you've got specific kind of role players at specific positions. Now you bring in this first-team offense, and you know you don't have a speed guy now that Donnie Avery's out. You've got to apply a different kind of offensive mindset, a different offensive game plan, and I respect that. I understand that. My issue is that despite that, and knowing that we can't stretch the field vertically, there's two issues I have with this offensive game plan. Number one is that we're not stretching it horizontally. And number two is that we're not making the run game complex enough. When you see a lot of running teams, whether it's the AFC and the NFL, or especially a lot of running teams in college, you see different ways to work in the run. And with a running back as talented and as versatile as Steven Jackson, I think you've got to make the run as complex and as comprehensive a part of your game plan as you possibly can. And I think that may be the biggest failure of Pat Shermer as a head coach, is that he's relied too much on simple runs with a running back like Steven Jackson who can do much more than what we've seen him allowed to do. And I'm going to jump in here to, to segue with – not segue, but just kind of throw out a couple stats on what you just said there, 3K. The Rams have not run off the left tackle spot in either game so far this season. Now, I understand Roger Saffold's a rookie. There's some blocking issues there. But they've yet to run over the left tackle this season. I mean, to me, that's just kind of a basic, you know, look at the damage McFadden was doing off the tackles last season. Why isn't Steven Jackson doing that same thing? I mean, I, you know, I understand that's not your, necessarily your bread and butter hole, but, which sounds really horrible to say. But let me, let me that's a, why aren't you running that? And, and why aren't you running out of the shotgun? I mean, teams are going to have to respect Sam Bradford out of the shotgun. He's done some great things out of the shotgun. So, why, you know, he can, you know, you can back defensive defensive linemen and linebackers off a little bit if you put Sam Bradford in the shotgun once he once they get kind of that passing game established, which they've been able to do in these first two games. Yet you haven't really seen very many handoffs or even kind of pitch outs on those shotguns, out of the shotgun like that, which I think you could really kind of take advantage of some, you know, your front-line blockers and then your, even your, you know, your opposing defenses I I, that's that. I think to me that speaks to exactly what you just said, 3K. Yeah, and, and if I can jump in just for a second, I was just going to say uh, that that's actually surprising and something I didn't pick up on that they have not ran off left tackle once. One of the breakdowns I did was like a monstrous like 12 to 15 yard run, 
and Saffold performed like beautifully. So that that's really kind of a shocker to hear that. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, Saffold to me is going to be a beast in the run game, and I don't know why we're not utilizing that. Yeah, and even even if here's the thing to me, even if he's a liability in the run game, and and from a coaching standpoint, they don't have a lot of faith in him as a run blocker. You still have to force the issue. You still have to force runs yeah. and keep it varied enough and diverse yeah. enough that the defense is going to respect it, even if it fails. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? A two-yard loss, a four-yard loss. We've seen worse losses in the in the runs that they do believe in. We've seen passes yeah. that go incomplete, that waste that down anyway. Put the ball in the hands of your best offensive player. Stretch the field with him so that the defense has to has to take into, into idea any contingency of Steven Jackson on the ball. Out of the shotgun in the draw. Underneath center from Sam Bradford to the right to the left under center. Play actions, everything. You've got to keep it diverse enough that they're not willing to try to pack in on any kind of play. And, and, I mean, it goes for the entire offense, but knowing that we've got a weapon like Steven Jackson, to see him underused in terms of diversity. I know he's getting a decent amount of carries, but it's a, it's a similar kind of carries, and I think I've only seen three or four different run plays so far that he's really been able to, to factor in with. I, you've, got to, you've got to use him more. Absolutely. Well, here's, my big, here's my big problem with Pat Shermer and maybe even Spagnuolo as well. It seems like, I mean, you always hear, oh, they're not ready. They're not ready. I mean, look at last year. Do you remember when I, I put a post up that said the preseason was extended, which it really was for us? Not once did we put Gagbanaya, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, in the game to at least see what he can do. Instead, we kind of, to me, I think we wasted this preseason to see what he could do when we really could have found that out last year. Um, and, I'm, you know, with you saying he's not running off left tackle, I feel like, well, you know, Saffold may not be ready for that type of assignment yet. You know what? You, you got to take, you know, you got to take the gloves off and say, listen, you know, let's get them some experience. You know, force, just like you said, force the issue, and see what these players can do. You know, we can't keep waiting around and say they're not ready. They're not ready. Get them in there, put a helmet on them, and get them some game experience. Bottom line. Absolutely, you know? and you know, and I see that more so. You know, and I see some of the logic in that with like last year with Keith Noll with a quarterback. When a quarterback's not ready. It does make it pretty tough. But, you know, if it's an offensive lineman, if it's a running back, if it's a wide receiver, if it's, you know, we're talking about Gilliard and Anoban this weekend, I mean, it's just, you know, see what they can do. I mean, what do you have to lose? You've dropped the first two games of the season. You're not in all likelihood not competing for a playoff spot as weak as the NFC West looks. You know, it's just what's the worst thing that can happen is you're going to you lose the game. It seems like we're playing – we're playing not to lose. We're not playing to win. That's the big difference to me. It's, it seems too conservative for me right now. I think we should be out there attacking, you know? I think, to me, that would show – that would I would give them a lot more respect if they came out and did that every week instead of this conservative approach, well, when we're ready, we're ready. You know, that's kind of the way it feels to me, and it's frustrating. And, and well, and we've seen that on defense. Sure, and I agree with you. If that's what we've seen, the biggest issue to me is – Here's a coaching staff that in their tenure has gone 1-17. in 17. How, how, how long does it take before you stop, you lose faith in your own system? You know, you're, you're looking at a team that has a system in place that's been more or less in place since the day they came into, came into their current jobs. At some point, you have to have the, the, the willingness 
and, and the humility to say, well, you know what, what we've been trying, it obviously isn't working that well. You know, it's great to have discipline and, and stick with your system and really see it through, but at some point you need to start adding wrinkles to it because that system really isn't working that well. That's yeah, a really good absolutely. I totally agree with that. You know, I I think, you know, realistically if you stop and look at it, we're a couple of good we're a couple of good players away from maybe taking it to the next level. However, we're also a cu- just a couple of uh game plan changes away from doing that too. You know, it may not be all personnel at this point. And it's that's not. what's really frustrating, you know. Well, and t- it comes back to that execution thing we talked about earlier tonight too. It's just we're a couple players away and we're also just kind of uh, you know, figuring out the team's personality and who we are and what we can do and, and, and having that kind of that accountability and that passion for, for going out and doing it. And, and change that third quarter in the Raiders game. That was as bad of a third quarter as we could have had offensively. If you change anything and it suddenly gets better and whatever, you move the ball, you don't even have to score points. We just didn't even move the ball. If you move the ball just a little bit, that could have totally negated anything Brad Gardkowski was able to do. It forces the issue on them suddenly to come out and reply even stronger than they did. So it's not that we're – and especially the score reflects it. I understand that. But it's deeper than that, and most of everybody who comes to TST watches the games and, you know, jumps in behind to see what – to understand deeper what's going on, and that's part of what we do every single day when we get there. But it's not just the score – it's not just one or two players. It's the idea that there's multiple players and multiple situations that come through in the game, and despite, what, maybe millions of plays over the last couple of seasons, maybe I'm overstating that, but the truth is, despite however many it is, it, we're not that far away. It's only a few players, a few situations, a few catches, a dropped interception here, a, you know, a fumble from you know, the return. Uh, in the Arizona game there, we're really close. I really believe that. It's just a matter of turning what's close into what is, and, and it's frustrating to have to deal with it week after week after week. Absolutely. Well, and it'll be interesting if that if you know they get a win this week and and, and they kind of they they convert on some of those opportunities like that. It'll be interesting to see what that team looks like coming out of the gate the next time around. You know, with some Absolutely. swagger. With, with a winning and with a winning mentality, you know, about them. I mean, I'll be interested to see some of that. That's why I was really hoping that we would at least win, you know, one of these last two games just to get a little bit of that swagger, hopefully. But we'll see what happens this week, anyway. But hey, it's uh, as always great show, guys. I got to take off, but uh, keep the faith, man. Absolutely, VT. See you later, my man. Later. Three K. Let's let's talk a little bit about this week's game. Or do we are we do we have any callers? I should ask first of all. You know the the slate is blank. We did get a question from Ramrod about bringing a guardian on the draft, but I know we got a couple minutes before we get to that. Let's let, let's get into the Redskins, I guess, before we do that. Huh? Let's get into the Redskins real quick. I mean, I think you know what. As far as previewing the game, I think you know first and foremost to me the key to the game is is don't make stupid mistakes execute, finish your drives, finish your plays. I mean, you know, don't don't take any roughing the passer penalties when you don't need to. I mean, that's, a, you know, first and foremost, I think you're going to – the winning game plan starts with that. Yeah, we um, can't afford this this week. You know, teams like Cardinals, and you talked about it, the talent level wasn't that desperate where we could afford, you know, silly mistakes. And even you look at Arizona, they could afford, you know, what, six fumbles, however many fumbles it was, they could afford that against us. This weekend is different. The Redskins are a, are a quality team. 
there, there's a lot of age there, but there's still plenty of talent, and we just can't afford to have turnovers, silly mistakes, whether it's Bradford dropping back and taking the sack instead of throwing away, whatever it may be. This is not the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you – just you know, looking at their offense real quick. I mean, there's I, you know, there's no probably no there's no need to spend half an hour talking about the Redskins Rams matchups. But he, the keys to 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 stopping the Donovan McNabb and the Redskins offense, 3K. I, I think it's going to be closing in short, whether we blitz or not. You're talking about an offense that essentially may not be dink and dunk. But that's what McNabb is designed to do. He's a quality quarterback that can make quick decisions, identify the quickest holes in the defense, and exploit them. I mean, it shows itself in the kind of passing game that he's been able to develop despite a lack of touchdowns. If you watch the Monday or was it Monday night or Sunday night that, that early game against the Cowboys, he can run a passing game. It's just not a very explosive one. So to me, without a pass rush, whether we blitz or not, it's going to be covering short and making sure that we're tight enough on guys that he can't have the obvious opportunities out the gate. Yeah, and that's gonna be, and that's a that's a good point because you know Zach Miller's a good Oakland tight end, and the Rams didn't do, you know, the Rams kind of prevented him from doing a lot of damage against them last week. And, and Chris Cooley obviously is a, you know, he's probably the the top receiver Washington has. So that's a, you know, that's the guy they're gonna have to watch. So they have Diggs and Grant out there, and I think one reason they go with Diggs over Vibora is that he's a little better in coverage. And so, you know, we'll see how that pays off. That's going to be an important part. The coverage is going to be key. And, you know, the Rams, talking about injuries, they do have, you know, they're going to have their cornerback, their nickelbacks this week, and that's that's good after not having them against Oakland. Sure. Um, so, you know, you'll have Dockery and King out there. I think Dockery's status is a little less certain, but it seems like he did practice Friday, so that's a good sign. But, uh, you know, you've got that. But you do have an injury to Craig Dahl. Now that, you know, yeah. Hurt you a little bit, I think, especially in just kind of the the fire on the defense, the you know the spark plug aspect that he brings to the defense, and he's a damn good run defender. And Washington team say run has is is really kind of looking to get its run game going. They haven't had much on the ground so far this season, and they'll be looking to get that going against the Rams. So you know Butler's a good guy in coverage. I think he's a little bit you lose a little bit in the run game from him to Butler, but you know I, I don't think it's enough that they can they can't stop. Washington on the ground if they, you know, choose to. Um, Especially this other week. Other side of the ball. If there's, a, if there's a week that we can probably afford to lose Craig Dahl, this is it. I'm really, I'm more worried about the passing game just because of the experience and the quality of a guy like Donovan McNabb. And just to go back to the point you made about Zach Miller and Oakland, I don't know if it wasn't that they didn't, that we did a great job of covering Oakland. And especially in the second half, you saw Gradkowski was able to hit guys early, whether it was McFadden, Hayward Bay, Lewis Murphy. He was able to make his quick decisions and operate on them because there were early holes in the defense. And when you're not blitzing, yeah. that, that's a recipe for disaster. If we're going to hold back and only rush four or even just add an extra blitz or just rush five, you've got to be able to cover early. You have to be able to cover your guys for the first two decisions that a quarterback makes. Otherwise, it's going to be too easy for him to operate. And a, and a guy like Donovan McNabb, a quarterback like Donovan McNabb, you can't allow that, that margin of error. He's just going to destroy every team he faces if, if that's the kind of operation system that he's dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, the Rams, I think, you know, one of the kind of the the, the strongest units on this team right now is the secondary. And, you know, they've got a big test this week. And it, it, com- it comes back to that execution too. It's like that's been a good unit for the Rams this year. It has, but it has. they're going to have to really. I mean, they've got to step it up this week. No, you know, I know they've had some near interceptions over these last two games, and those are 
you know, those are the kind of things you got to hang on to. Those you got to get those, and that's uh, this week. This week, how you beat a quarterback like Donovan McNabb. You can't drop those this week. This week, you got to turn those into ints. You got to do it because we're not going to get as many opportunities as we have the last two weeks. Absolutely not. Three K, other side of the ball, Rams offense. Stephen Jackson matching up against Adam Carricker and the Washington defense. Thoughts on that? It's interesting. It's another 3-4 defense. You know, Arakpo's a beast. I really, I love Brian Arakpo. And it's going to be interesting to see how we utilize the run against this 3-4. It's, it's a strong defense, but we know we've got Steven Jackson, Sam Bradford, and I guess Mark Clayton has suddenly become, you know, the big wide receiver, the go-to guy, whether it's his two touchdowns in the second game or the number of receptions and looks he had in the first game. It's going to be interesting to see how we deal with those matchups. You're talking about guys that can – that can make plays, whether it's Bradford or Jackson. I know Bradford's still a rookie, but he's shown that he can make plays, especially on the rollout. It's most interesting for me to see how he comes out in that first quarter. We're going to face some adversity in this game, and we're going to face it in the first half. Dealing with that adversity, dealing with the power of that 3-4, especially in that front seven, is is the biggest challenge, I think, to me. If If we can establish a stronger running game than we have in the first two weeks, and to a degree we did in Oakland, but it wasn't even the running game. It was just the run blocking at, at Oakland. Yeah. If Steven Jackson can break a couple tackles, earn some first downs that otherwise a, a, good, a better tackler or a more powerful tackler wouldn't allow him, then I think we put ourselves in a good position. If we don't, you're asking the wide receivers in the passing game to do something really difficult for a team that doesn't have a great passing game. Yeah, and that's you know one thing I think with you know Washington's going to be without their nose tackle. Haynesworth's status is kind of up in the air this year, right now. So uh, you know they may or may not have him. Um, it, it'll be interesting, interesting to see what happens because this is, uh, you know, the front three in that three-four defense isn't as strong as maybe you know the Arizona front three that we face with Dockett and Campbell. So that's true. You know that's a good that's a good matchup. I mean it's a good it's a good. It's a good opportunity for the offensive line to reestablish themselves this week after kind of a last second quarter, second half last week against Oakland. Um, receivers against Washington. Washington has a pretty good uh, group of safeties, and, and and I think Landry's back, and Landry's fine. Who's the other one? That is I can't think of more. Is back in action this week, and then that's a that, you know they'll have both starting safeties. That's a that's a pretty dangerous pairing in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's always difficult going against, especially a guy like LeBron Landry. But, you know, more, more interesting to me is going up against those front seven. I, I bring it back to them. I really think that's going to be where the game's won or lost. And I know we got some comments. I'm, I'm looking through these comments on the open thread. I think we've had more comments in other languages than English this week on the Turf Show radio open thread. We had some in German, and now Loyal to the Rams is jumping in in French. Man, I'm fluent in French. You don't want to bring it to me. Yeah, if Saffold or Smith get hurt, we're going to have to deal with tackles. But I don't want to make this a trilingual radio show. That's a lot to ask. (laughs) That is an awful lot to ask, 3K, I'll have to say. Um, Yeah. Final thoughts? Well, 3K, we're running out of time. Let's get to to college here a little bit. Um, We should. I'm kind of watching Arkansas choke up a big game here. I was just going to say, I'm kind of watching Arkansas choke up a big game here. Um, yeah, I mean, Mallett's decision, it, the way that he, that first interception, I guess about five minutes ago that he threw, 
was on him. The last one was a decision interception. He tried to throw the ball away, and he just didn't get it over the head enough. It, it was a poor game, by, especially a poor second half by Ryan Mallett. But the truth is, you know, we're not in the game for a quarterback anymore, so I'm not watching quarterbacks with as much uh, zeal or focus as I did in the past just because I know we don't have them. Uh, a guy that I've really been impressed by this game, and there's a couple on Alabama's defense. I love their defense. Is Drake Kirkpatrick, that cornerback. He's really, really strong. And we may not be in the game for a cornerback either, but he's really stood out for me this game. And Trent Richardson. Uh, I'll go on record right now. Trent Richardson, I think, is the next Steven Jackson. He's absolutely incredible. I love him. Um, you know, here's one thing. We, we talked about some individual players. Uh, here's something I was kind of thinking about with the draft today. You're going through our positions of need um, for the Rams headed into the, the next spring. Who are some players, I wonder, that can come in and kind of have a, an – a, a, a pretty strong impact, even as a rookie. Now, I know that you you know you don't count on rookies to kind of be hit their stride or, or put you over the top right away. But I mean, I, you know, I, I'd like to see a guy that can come in and have an impact. I, you know, I don't want to have to three years for a guy before he kind of hits hits a reasonable stride, even if sure. if it's not a you know the peak of his career. 3K wide receiver wise, who who are some guys that stand out at you that can kind of that can make a difference even as rookies? Well, I mean, there's plenty, and we've talked about the top tier, whether it's Floyd Baldwin, Jones, and Green, or a lot of the second tier guys that we're starting to jump into now. I think the key in terms of making an impact depends on the system. So you know, it, it depends on how much we're, we're willing, how much leverage we're willing to give Bradford in, in terms of how he manages the passing game. If he really needs to go vertical, it depends on whether we bring Donnie Avery back. If we bring him back, what what is the need for a speed guy? You know, you've got to assume that it's relatively low, especially if Avery, you know, maintains the kind of vertical speed he has because that's what we have. And if that's the case, what kind of wide receivers do you really need? To me, it's a possession guy. If you have a speed guy and a possession guy, I think you'll be all right. Uh, in terms of making difference – Maybe offensively, a position that we could use more is a backup running back change of pace guy. I know we talk about it a lot, but that's somebody that you can either work under center. Uh, well, not necessarily under center like a, like a quarterback, but under center in terms of a normal running back. Or you can work him in the slot, the kind of thing that we saw Marshall Falk do, uh, similar to what Dexter McCluster did at Ole Miss. And, and there's certain guys like that. I mean, Jaquiz Rogers is an, is an interesting guy. you got two guys, three guys at Florida, if you count Chris Rainey that could come in and do the same kind of thing, that's a position that I think could could really have an immediate rookie-level impact. Hey, 3K, I'm going to switch gears just for a second because I, I just noticed this, but the Rams have released Kevin Dockery. See, I and saw that on part the of that was from D.B. Coover, and I was hunting. I couldn't get any news on it. That's interesting. I couldn't find anything. It's all uh, – Kevin has – Kevin's got a link up here, but it's the Jim Thomas's Twitter – Status. I, you know, instant reaction. Obviously, they needed to get Cud Joe on the roster because they, you know, with Clifton Ryan and, and Darrell Scott, they need defensive tackles. Um, I just wonder if Kevin Dockery's not maybe a little bit more injured than uh, than they thought he was. Maybe he wasn't quite ready, but you know, he did practice yesterday, although it was limited. Um, obviously, it's probably a, a pretty good sign that they're. Pretty strong believers in what they have as far as uh, as uh, Jerome Murphy and Justin King, and even Marquise Johnson uh, for their nickelback positions for their cornerback depth. It's it's a little surprising. I mean, I thought one thing that Dockery at least was kind of a veteran, knew the system, knew the you know knew his role, knew the assignments 
at least. So uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a shocker. But again, I kind of wonder if maybe he's not more injured than than they they want than they thought. Thought that 3K? is some, that, that is some serious surprising breaking news to end Turf Show Radio. Yeah, it's not often you get to break news on Turf Show Radio, huh? You know, you know. But I think I think the Rams recognize that Turf Show Radio is a good medium for them to release breaking news and hit a huge audience and make sure that all of St. Louis Rams nation knows what's going on. So kudos to St. Louis Rams Public Relations Department for making sure that they made that available <laughs> during Turf Show Radio. Well done. Well done. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Well, that's and, a, and that's a case, shocking development. Case, so. If the St. Louis Ram, if we've got any members of the Rams front office that want to call into Turf Show Radio, by all means. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you can always call us. We've got plenty of advice for you if you like, too. So. <laughs> call Van. Call Van for advice. I don't want, I don't want any advice. That's too much. Hit me up. I'll, I'll, hit me up on the tweets. I'll, I'll give you my digits that way. How about that? I think 3K? that's how the NFL like, these days. That's right. 3K, we are at the end of the hour. It's a Saturday night. We've got some uh, bourbon to drink, food to eat. Final parting shots? I don't I don't think I can get anything, man. I don't think we covered so much. I can't think of anything immediately that jumps in. There's some great college football tonight. You know, if you got nothing better to do, hang out, watch some college football, check out a couple prospects, let me know. We got the watch list up on Turf Show Times. Other than that, man, same as it always is. Go Rams. Go Rams, three K. We'll be online tomorrow, people. We got we'll have the game threads up. Um, it's another afternoon game. We'll have a morning thread up. We'll have a VT is going to have some linkage up for you in the morning. I'm sure the the Dockery thing will be all over that. So uh, so tune into the site tomorrow. Tune into the game and go Rams. 3K. Go Good Rams. Talk to you. We'll see you later. Uh, I'm a- see ya. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.